Welcome to Process This, a podcast for the sterile processing community. The Healthcare Sterile Processing Association, HSPA, invites you to log on, listen and learn twice a month. Now it's time to process this with your host, clinical educator, John Wood. Welcome to the Process This Podcast. For those of you keeping track, this is episode number 77. Well, thanks for joining me. I hope that you are doing well. Believe it or not, this is the last podcast before the Christmas holiday break. I hope you get to enjoy the holiday with your family, your friends, your loved ones. Hope you have some enjoyable time off and some rest. Well, today on the podcast, we are talking about two articles that I found on errors and problems in sterile processing. Now, both of these articles are written by consultants. And in general, I like these type of articles because sometimes I would get too focused on the work at hand, on the day-to-day operations and not really take that needed time to step back and evaluate the department, evaluate different processes, essentially just looking at that bigger picture. And I I really feel that some of this can be contributed to the way I manage my management style, which, you know, in part was see a need, fill a need. You know, because I don't believe that I've really ever worked in an apartment, and probably you either, where we had enough staff Enough staff to cover when issues arise, like calling off sick. So if someone called out for the day, then usually there was a gap and that gap needed to be filled. And if I was available, you know, I would fill it. This is not by any means the best way to manage. But when your folks are working hard, sometimes it's hard to ask more of them. It's easier to put yourself in that situation to cover, uh, again, that gap. So articles like these, you know, really can help you uh, if you're having issues or it can help you prepare for issues that are yet to come. So let's go ahead and let's get to it. All right, so our first article is titled Six Common Errors in Surgical Instrument Reprocessing. So first, productivity measurement. So the article states that productivity standards for labor in sterile processing department is not consistent from hospital to hospital. We've observed many different standards. Again, the we here is the consultants writing this article. We've observed many different standards, including average daily census, adjusted patient days, and surgery cases. Of the three that are listed, the surgery case volume is probably a closer indicator of the workload within sterile processing, but it does not factor in the acuity level of the cases. For example, a facility could have 10 cases on one day, that include three hernias, a couple of DNCs, and a few hand cases. The workload on a day like this would be very different from a day that included four total joints, 
two spine cases, an open heart, and another few procedures. To get a true picture of the workload, the best statistic for sterile processing productivity is the number of trays sterilized per day, in their opinion. Tray volume is easy enough to track. It can be done manually by counting up the numbers of trays on each load card, which is necessary documentation for tracking sterilized trays or hospitals that have an automated tracking system could run a daily report. A system like this ensures that you have the appropriate amount of resources available to meet the work requirements of the area and prevent delays in other high-cost departments like surgery. So I like the direction that this is heading or the recommendation that of the three averages, daily census, adjusted patient days, and surgery cases, that surgery cases is more reasonable of those three and then narrowing that down to tray volume as you work towards a better sense of measurement uh, for sterile processing volume. Now, the article kind of stops with tray volume, but I think that this can still be broad, right? We need to continue to narrow down the measurement criteria. So at the beginning of the article, the statement was made Labor in sterile processing department is not consistent from hospital to hospital. I agree, and I agree that it shouldn't be consistent because each facility, each hospital that practices in sterile processing or participates in sterile processing activities is different. I've never been to a facility that was exactly the same. Um, I've been to some that are similar, but not the same. So this is why tray volume is good, but I think that we need to define or really assign different time values to the trays as well. And where I'm going with this is that a spine tray takes more labor time to process through decontamination, through cleaning, inspecting, more time on the assembly side of inspecting and packing than would a tray that's used for a myringotomy right? So I think time plays a big factor in volume of trays. So the article does say that surgical case volume does not factor in acuity levels, but I would say that simple tray volume also does not factor in that acuity level either. For example, you know, I worked in a surgery center and uh, one day when I was working as a scrub tech in an ENT room, you know, the team performed a right around 40 ENT procedures. Now, these were tubes and tonsils, you know, pretty quick, but we were moving that day. And out of those, you know, 40 cases, we produced probably 60 plus trays. If you take a facility that performs spine cases that produces 60 plus trays, could have the same tray volume, but we're not talking apples to apples, right? And uh, a myringotomy tray is not going to take the same time requirements as a spine tray. Okay, so I, I think I've made my point here uh, that measuring productivity and sterile processing is difficult and there needs to be some time and some real thought into making sure the measurement is accurate and reflects your specific facility. So consolidating 
sterilization responsibilities. Number two, here it says hospitals may perform sterilization and high-level disinfection in multiple locations. Examples of departments that may have separated equipment, including the ambulatory surgery center, an endoscopy lab, labor and delivery, inpatient operating rooms, and sterile processing departments itself. When performing an operational assessment of all invasive procedures within a hospital, we, again the surveyor or the consultants, we frequently find that each department is individually responsible for monitoring of their sterilization process and equipment. They have also observed documentation systems for ensuring sterility differs between those departments and the quality of sterilization record keeping systems are inconsistent throughout all of those areas. Now they recommend that the sterilization practices be monitored and managed by the sterile processing staff. This practice yields consistency in operational standards as well as documentation and record keeping. Here's my two cents. I've worked in a large hospital system where one facility not only had several internal customers performing high-level disinfection and sterilization, but several external customers as well. From what I remember, there are at least 25 to 30 different customers performing high-level disinfection uh, processes or activities. So I think it's a good idea or a good recommendation that sterile processing be invited to look at practices and make recommendations based on best practices. Right? That's a good idea. That's and why? Because cleaning and reprocessing is what sterile processing does. It's what we do. And it, it's, re- it's a really good idea to always enlist somebody who's an expert in that field when you're making decisions. So enlisting the help of sterile processing is a great idea. Recommending sterile processing take over the monitoring, documentation, record keeping, ensuring consistency in operational standards. Wow. That's a lot of responsibility to take on. So the workload, the productivity just increased. And now you have no productivity measurements, right? Because remember earlier, productivity is tray volume. We measure productivity in sterile processing as tray volume. How are you going to measure this new workload? Realistically, the workload might not be too overwhelming, but uh, it is labor, right? And again, where's that labor coming from? So let's say that you do have a large facility. You do have 25 to 30 customers aside from the operating room who or are performing some sort of cleaning, some sort of reprocessing, whether it's high-level disinfection or sterilization, and now you have just become responsible for the operational standards along with monitoring, documentation, and record-keeping. Sterile processing is going to have to have some sort of dotted line authority to each of these areas, right? So what is that shared leadership? What does that look like? What happens when practices or standards don't align. What are you going to do when a GI physician gets upset when you tell him he can't use semethicone any longer? You know, what authority do you have 
over that GI lab and their practice? Who's going to be responsible for the education and training? If sterile processing is monitoring and managing the practice, then the training needs to come from sterile processing. If you are integrating record systems, where's the money coming from? The sterile processing budget? Is it a customer budget? The, the facility budget? Where's the money? If an individual is hired by the clinic or the GI lab, but you have oversight, who's responsible for disciplinary actions? Man, there, there's a lot of things to think about. I don't think it's as easy as the statement of just assign these to sterile processing, right? There's a lot of things that you need to do to make these thing, this a reality. So, you know, yes, I, I do agree that it's a, it's a good idea. Anytime sterile processing can be involved in activities of sterile processing, I think it's a great idea. But, you know, just be cautious because there's a lot that's going to be involved when you start taking on different customers' responsibilities. All right, uh, number three, following manufacturer's processing recommendations. The complexity and sophistication of instrumentation used in new techniques required strict adherence to manufacturers' recommendations for cleaning and sterilization of their products. Whether it is high-speed power equipment, minimally evasive instrumentation, robotic instruments, there may be several steps in cleaning processes. There may be also uh, extended cycle time requirements. Sterile processing must develop methods to identify items that require special treatment and have protocols in place to ensure that standards are met. There are a number of resources available to obtain the information and it needs to be readily available to your sterile processing staff so they remain in compliance. So I agree with this statement. I don't really have too much to add. Um, just remember that these protocols, these special treatments, these standards that we talked about, all of that applies to the new responsibilities you have after you've consolidated sterile processing activities, as we discussed uh, just a minute ago. So you can no longer just think about sterile processing. Now you have to think about all the other different areas or departments or clinics that you are now responsible for. And do they also have that same information, those manufacturer's instructions? Next, effective resource management. There are many products on the market today to help a sterile processing department manage their tray receipts, count sheets, and to provide an inventory of available instrument sets and their locations throughout the hospital. There are still many facilities that do not have the resources to obtain that level of sophistication, or they don't have the personnel to manage such a system. It is very difficult to determine your resource needs when you don't have an inventory of what is currently available within the organization. This can be easily resolved by building an inventory list in an Excel spreadsheet, and it can be further customized by adding factors such as special categories or storage locations. As trays and instruments are purchased, only one file needs to be accessed to update the information. Okay. 
interesting. I would I would agree that there are some good products on the market out there that can be extremely helpful in managing resources from instrument tracking to equipment tracking, uh, whether that's facility-wide or just within the sterile processing and operating reading room environment. Smaller facilities can utilize a spreadsheet. I think it all depends on your specific facility and really the needs uh, that you have. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good recommendation. Number five, pre-treat. Here it says, during a surgical procedure, it is the responsibility of the surgical technician to keep the instruments relatively clean and free of bio-burden. Wiping down soiled instruments with sterile water throughout the case usually does this. At the end of the case, contaminated instruments should be placed back in their tray at a minimum covered by a towel moistened with water or better yet, covered with enzymatic foam that can start the breakdown of the bio-burden remaining on the instruments. Instruments should not be thrown into a basin with liquid for a number of reasons, including the potential for splashing and spills, potential damage or dulling of more delicate instruments, and extended reassembly time due to mix-up or misplaced instruments. So again, another good recommendation. I know that sometimes it can be difficult to implement this type of process you know, the pre-treatment process. Um, sterile processing is not technically responsible for this process. It really should be sponsored or supported by the operating room, although the training uh, might fall to the sterile processing folks. Just remember that there are plenty of resources out there that support the pre-treatment process, AST, as a document for the surgical technicians to comply with pre-treat, pre-cleaning. AORN supports the practice and their guidelines, along with the AMI standards. Because this is an area in which you might see drift in the process, means that you might start out with compliance and then it slowly drifts to incompliance, you know, a regular schedule or audit might serve beneficial. Again, just get with your operating room leadership and knock out a plan and a process to make sure your folks are in compliance. And then last, confinement and containment of dirty instruments. While an enclosed case cart is the best way to transport dirty instruments outside of the operating room, they realize that this is a large capital investment for some hospitals to make. There are still effective ways to transport dirty instruments, even if an open cart is used. A shortcut that has been observed and is not appropriate is to keep instruments on the surgical back table and fold the table cover over the instruments to transport them to sterile processing. This process does not contain the instruments properly and the back table cover is potentially contaminated with blood, with body fluid, an acceptable approach is to treat the instruments as suggested in pre-treatment and place them on an open cart utilizing a disposable plastic cover that is labeled biohazardous waste to cover the cart for transport to the sterile processing department. So this is a very specific concern. Honestly, I don't think that 
This is a widespread issue. You know, again, I, I may be wrong. I have seen it before, though. It's been a while. Um, I think my only comment is really just evaluate your process and examine the risk with your current process. So if you identify areas that need improvement, um, enlist the help of your infection prevention folks to help you find a solution to improve your current process. So overall, I think this is some good information. Um, as with most things, I think some of the advice may be more difficult to achieve, but that's where you need to really look at the situation. You and your facility need to decide how best to achieve the desired results. All right, so my next article is titled Six Signs You Have a Sterile Processing Problem with Six Solutions. All right, problems and solutions. That's what I like to see. Let's see if the solutions are a one-size-fits-all. First is communication with the operating room. If the sterile processing department and the operating room have conflict and finger-pointing issues, then this is a clear sign trouble is brewing. How do you know if this is the case? Ask operating room nurses or surgeons when was the last time you interacted with the sterile processing department and why? So their solution here, assign an OR liaison to work with specialty leaders to foster better communication. Another suggestion, invite staff to attend other department staff meetings. And then last, work with both departments to ensure instrumentation needs are being met. All right, so first of all, if you need more information on communication, then go listen to Podcast 76, because it is specifically about communication. All right, so let's get back here. So the OR liaison, you know, it's a good idea. And I have used an OR liaison in the past. I've been lucky enough to utilize that type of position. My only concern is this could be really difficult for facilities with tight budgets. You know, we all know it's hard enough to get enough staffing for the department as it is. But if you have the resources, I would definitely recommend an OR liaison type position. So the other solutions I think are good ideas. Anytime you can integrate department activities such as staff meetings, you know, giving folks opportunities to mingle with others who they might not normally regularly see or visit, you know, this is a, a real positive. Another good suggestion might be to spend time in each other's environment. Many facilities will have OR personnel spend time in sterile processing and vice versa. Sterile processing folks spend time in the operating room. You know, a lot of times this is done during an orientation phase for the employee. So something to think about. All right, number two, high use of flash sterilization. All right, so this is probably an older article. Let's go ahead and just say IUSS. So IUSS sterilization should not be the first resort process. The Joint Commission is refocusing its survey efforts on IUSS sterilization with a recently updated survey process that will keep a close eye on this process. 
IUSS is often a symptom of a larger problem. For example, OR staff may not trust that sterile processing prepares instruments properly or in a timely manner. So their solution here is track down the source of the problem as this may be the cause by some of the other issues that we're discussing such as poor communication or operational problems in sterile processing. I think that sterile processing has made great strides over the past years in this area. If you are still having IUSS issues, why? Find the why and address the why. Number three, staff turnover. Low retention can lead to slower turnaround times in sterile processing, an understaffed sterile processing department, and an increase in improperly sterilized instrumentation. This ultimately results in sterile processing delays with that on-time start in the OR. Solution, staff turnover in sterile processing is inevitable. But you should ensure that you are retaining a key group of veterans. If you have a strong, experienced manager, he, she can both help mitigate turnover and ensure high-quality training. Well, I, I think this is a much bigger issue than what we really have time for today. Um, yes, staff turnover is a problem. It can be a problem. Uh, I think it will also be an indicator of other problems in sterile processing. You know, maybe we'll do another podcast uh, specifically on turnover and issues. But So number four, let's move on to number four, lack of quality assurance program. Your organization should have an oversight and training system in place for sterile processing staff. That includes continuing education and or certification with a governing body. Cross-training and staff knowledge of processes both within and outside of sterile processing are a must. Solution, provide in-service and hands-on training as vendors to provide them for their products to ensure staff are up to date on the latest techniques. Double check that sterile processing is performing all of its necessary functions, not limited to sterilization, but including instrument testing, and functionality and sharpness. Ensure your policies and procedures are up to date with the latest standards and guidelines and your staff has working knowledge of them. So good information. I, I don't have any issues with those. Number five, insufficient sterile processing capacity. This is an instance where an investment may be necessary. The reality is that you cannot run a profitable surgery department with inadequate space, equipment, and sterile processing. Solution, whether it is an experienced manager or a consulting firm, have someone analyze your current capacity. Be sure to take into account your growth patterns and surgical volume changes to anticipate future capacity also, if you decide to use a third party for assistance, make sure they are unbiased, meaning they're not vendors. I think the only thing I would add is make sure that your C-suite is involved and they are provided with all of this information. Last but not least, 
not enough instrument sets. When you take on a new surgeon and he or she is successfully adding cases, you need to ensure that you are also looking at the number and composition of instrument sets. The solution here is this is a problem that really goes both ways, whether you are increasing or decreasing in volume, a regular evaluation of your trays as you would, or at least you should, with other materials. So making sure that you have enough instrument sets for the cases that you provide. So really, this article has some pretty good advice. Um, all of these things, I think, can be applied in sterile processing. If you recognize some of these issues in your department, well, talk with your leadership. Start the conversation. Take some advice from this article and provide solutions, right? If you have a problem, provide a solution. Get with your leadership and see how you can improve the processes in your department. Well, there you have it. That music means that our time together has come to an end. Thanks for listening to the show. From all of us at HSPA, have a happy holiday, have fun, and stay safe. HSPA episode number 77 is in the books. To receive the CE for this episode, simply click on the link in the episode notes, log on to my HSPA website, and make sure to use the code TRAYVOLUME. Again, the code for this episode is TRAYVOLUME. Remember, keep an ear out for the next episode always on the 1st and 15th of every month. Each episode's on demand, so when you're ready for us, we'll be there for you. As always, stay classy, and we'll see you next time. <music>